hands together for Pastor Bakia as she brings the word. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is exciting to um, be able to bring the word to you guys this morning. I am. This is my first time preaching it every day, so be gentle, be nice, be kind to me. That's the excuse I used at, when I worked at Toys R Us for a long time. I used um, that I'm new here, so please be uh, patient with me. I used that for about nine months. <laughs> but people are always nicer to people that are new, right? So, all right. So I'm um, talking about making a disciple. So I've got the uh, make a disciple. Pastor Mill had be a disciple. Pastor Jacob had and. Okay, so he did a pretty good job at preaching on and last week. But uh, let's pray together and then we're going to get into the word. Father, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you for this moment that we have to hear what it is that you want to say to us. And I just pray that this word, God, will bless our community, but also challenge us in the way of how of where you want us to be, God, of what you want us to be doing for the kingdom of God. So I just thank you for this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about making a disciple. So being third in the... Um, the series, I'm going to probably most likely touch on a few things that you've most likely already heard, but that's a good thing because then it hopefully settles into your spirit. And I do believe that the word God has given me this morning could have such an impact if we allow it to, to change the trajectory, not change, but alter the trajectory of our future of our gathering in the sense that we can grow. And I'm going to explain that a little bit more as we go. But let's have a look. Um, to know what to, to make disciples, we need to know what a disciple is. And we've already learned that, but just quickly touching base. To be a disciple means you are a follower or a pupil of a teacher, a leader, a philosopher, but basically you devote yourself to learning and studying. And Jesus gives us a more um, clearer criteria of what a disciple looks like. To be a disciple is to believe the word of God, obey his commands, and be baptized. So let's have a look at Matthew 28, 19, 20 which is the Great Commission, and the scripture should come up here, yep. So it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. So we learned last week that we need to know the Bible for ourselves, okay? So we can't rely on other people to know the Bible for us. We need to know the Bible for ourselves, and it says it here when he says, in everything that I've commanded you, but in other words, that we, everything that we have learned up until that point, everything that God has taught us is what we should be putting into practice. So we're going to read this scripture again, but what we're going to do now is in this scripture, this gives us all of the clear actions that we need to do to be able to make disciples. So we've learned about B, we've learned about and, and what we're doing now is making. So let's have a look at the next slide. So we've got our big action words there, okay? We've got go, make, baptize, and teaching. Those are our four action points that we need to take when it comes to making disciples. So with, when uh, we know that Jesus asked people to stop what they were doing and follow him. So when we're making disciples, don't ask people to stop working. Don't ask people to quit their jobs and follow you because you're not the Messiah, <laughs> But we become a bridge to Jesus. So let's look at our first action. Let's look at go. Now I need to preface this with saying, I love the church. 
I believe in the church and I believe in her calling on the earth and what she's meant to do with the kingdom of God. So when you hear me talking about the church, I'm talking about the church in general, not necessarily just everyday church. So whilst discipleship in church is necessary, and of course it's needed, according to the scripture, we are called to go. We are called to go out there. It's not just good enough to, we're not a country club. We're not an elitist club. We're not someone that just keeps the gospel here and then when we go out with someone else, we have to go out into the world and be able to share the gospel. It's easy for us <coughs> to come in here for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and put on our best Christianese accent. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Right? Three hours as opposed to how many hours we have in the week is not a big amount, right? So it's easy to come here and be someone else and then be out someone else, someone different in the world. So it depends how we are living our lives out there. The difference between a believer and a non-believer should not be the time that we wake up on a Sunday morning, right? The difference should be that how we live our lives. The difference should be what, how, do I, um, how do I face trials? How do I handle tribulations in my workplace? Do I join in the group on gossip? Do I handle situations with peace? So those should be the difference between a believer and a non-believer. And whilst the atmosphere, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, I'm still getting over a little bit of a cold. And whilst the atmosphere in church is wonderful and friendly and it's, again, necessary, atmosphere is not what changes lives. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's His presence. And as He begins to highlight things in our lives, He begins to show us what needs pruning and needs to be done. So it can't just be a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. It has to be a daily thing. We have to be in the Word daily. Amen? So hear me out. Making disciples, yes, it starts with us, but does not mean... We have to be perfectly living in obedience or perfectly living in the ways of God to make disciples. If we did, if we had to do that and be living perfectly, then the gospel would have been a secret for a long time, right? The gospel would have never been preached because every single one of us is not perfect. So we do not have to need to have it all together to be able to go out into the world and make disciples, right? We can be living with all the things that we are going through and still be sharing the gospel. So don't um, say, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to do that yet because I don't have everything together. Yeah, well, neither did the disciples, okay? And they still shared the gospel. We need to be representing Christ so well out there so people may not even need to hear our words. They need to be able to see that we are living differently. <coughs> Let's look at Hebrews 13, 16 in our, we're still in Go. And it says, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. And it's funny that he's saying, the author is saying, do not forget. It must be easy for us to forget to sometimes do good and to share. Otherwise, it wouldn't need to remind us. Right? So obviously the enemy throws so much distractions our way. The enemy can throw so many things in our place that we sometimes forget to reach out and we focus on ourselves. And that's what the world teaches us. That's what society teaches us. It's all about us. How can we get first? How can we put our foot first? But we have to be able to reach out. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that's our first go, right? So we're going to get really practical now. How do we go? I want you guys right now 
to just think of one person in your life. Maybe it's a family or a friend. (coughs) And I want you to begin to pray for that person. Make it a habit to pray for that one person. I want you to ask God in your prayer time to give you opportunities to share the gospel with that person. I want you to ask for boldness and courage because if you're asking God for an opportunity, he's going to give you an opportunity, especially when it comes down to the gospel. (coughs) I still remember uh, an example. I was praying for one specific friend and I asked God to give me an opportunity. This was long before any of my children were born. And we were watching the news and we had a look and it was about Anzac and we were just talking about Anzac Day. And I quote, she said to me, wow, I can't believe someone would just give up their life for us so we can live freely. That's what she said to me. Now, that is an open door. Thank you so much. That is an open door. That is a carrot waving in my face to share the gospel, right? And I froze. I didn't. I didn't take that opportunity because I was afraid of not being friends with this person again. I was afraid of, well, what if she rejects me? But here I am praying for God for an opportunity and then here's the opportunity and I just miss it. And so I remember this example all the time because I never want an open opportunity like that to miss me again to share the gospel. And I'm sure you're thinking of opportunities that you're thinking of now. Oh, actually, I remember that time. And that's an opportunity God gives us to share the gospel, right? Because he actually wants to help us and he wants to make it easy sometimes for us to be able to share the gospel with others. So we need to pray for boldness, for courage, for wisdom to go. So have we all thought of one person? All thought of a friend or a family member? Cool. And if maybe you're already praying for someone and that's fantastic, maybe think of another person. All right, we're going to move on to make now. So we've got go. Now we're working on make. So to make means you have to make something. In other words, it's not yet made, right? So if I'm going to make something, I haven't yet made it. So we have to think, who are we making as disciples? The next picture is a picture of a cake. Who likes cake? Who wants that cake? (laughs) It is a cake. I know, it's pretty extravagant. I have a cake business, right? No, I did not make that cake. And there is absolutely no way I could make that cake, right? That is just, I would have no idea where to even start. I really would not. My version would maybe be like a little corner and then that is it. That is cake. But if I want to make that cake, right, I need to commit myself to practicing, to studying, to learning, to practicing, studying, and it continues and continues. And that is what we need to be as when we're making disciples. We can't make disciples if we are not yet a disciple. We can't make disciples if we have no idea what we are teaching people, right? We need to know who God is. We need to know the Word. We need to at least know how we have been changed and made into a disciple to be able to make because we're going to replicate what we are. So if we are replicating people that don't know the Word, we're not really making disciples, right? So we need to make sure, again, that we are the disciple first. Now, so let's have another example. Say you've been ministering to someone and they're a new believer. They've just given their life to God. Praise God, they are saved. But there is no doubt that it, they are not yet... Spiritually, they are renewed. They are born again. 
but their ways of thinking, their habits, their actions, all of those sorts of things still need to catch up, right? So our spirits are renewed when we give our lives to Christ, but we still need to change our thinking. We still need to change our habits. So in other words, there's no doubt that they do not have it all together. And so when you do bring someone to Christ, praise God, but that is not the end of the discipleship journey. Actually, that is the beginning, right? Because we need to make sure, okay, this person is now saved. How do I now show them? How do I now teach them to, be, to become a mature believer in God? Ephesians 4, 24 says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It says you were taught, right? Taught by whom? Okay. It's to learn all of this for a new believer to learn all of this and how to live. They need to be taught. And that's where we come in. Again, sitting in church for those three hours on a Sunday morning, it's great for personal growth. We need it and it's important. The Bible actually tells us not to give up fellowship to meeting together. It's very important. Please hear me. But it's not what makes disciples. And it's not up to the pastors to stand here every Sunday morning to make disciples. Actually, it's not their responsibility. It's yours. And if you don't believe me, let's look in Scripture. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 11, oh, hang on. Wait, maybe I've got the right Scripture. No, no, I guess. Ephesians 4, 11 to 14. So Christ gave the apostles, gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. I was going to stop there and then I kept reading and I was like, this scripture is preaching for itself, so I'm going to keep reading. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So what's the pastor's responsibility? To equip. Pastor's responsibility is to equip. The body of Christ is to go out, is to create, is to make disciples. So don't think it's the pastor's responsibility. And, it, and it's our responsibility to make sure we are creating mature Christians, Mature people that are no longer infants in Christ are no longer going to be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. So that church is actually our responsibility. We come here, we hear the word, we receive the word, we're being discipled. What are we doing with that? We need to allow that to flow and make other disciples and make sure that they are too are not going to be immature believers. Otherwise, it just kind of stops the flow of belief, of Christianity and we're just making lukewarm Christians that really have no authority or power when life throws things at us because it throws life, life throws things at everyone. Amen? We want mature Christians, right? We want to be mature people. So we need to, again, be a disciple, be a mature disciple to create mature disciples. You are what makes disciples. It's that relationship. It's that one-on-one. -on -one. It's how we pray together. We talk together, share a meal together. And the cool thing about making disciples is we do it at our capacity. 
if we can go to the next slide. I think it's a picture. Yeah, that's my that's my diagram on my phone. <laughs> but this is what I'm a visual person. So this is what comes to my mind when we're talking about making disciples. You are the blue person. You're the blue dot, right? Your capacity is four, okay? The red is your capacity. I can reach probably four. And what that means is I can sit down with this person. I can take my time with this person. I can make phone calls. I can meet this person, okay? So you've got a capacity of four. The one on this side doesn't have a capacity of anyone yet, and that's okay. Maybe they're a new believer. The one in the, in the middle, they've got a capacity of three. Next one has two, capacity of one. You've only reached four, but altogether you've reached 10 people for the gospel. And so you're discipling, technically discipling 10 people because four of them are also discipling. So that's how discipleship works. So it's not just one person discipling everyone and then it doesn't continue. It just keeps going. We have to repeat making disciples. Amen. So let's move on to baptizing. We're going to talk about baptisms now. What is baptism? Baptism is a public declaration living for God. An example would be the same as a marriage. You stand on the altar in front of your families and friends and you declare to them to say, I am now married to this person. I am no longer single. I dedicate my life to this person. So why do, should we encourage or why should we personally, first of all, be baptized and why should we encourage baptisms? Three points. It obeys Christ's commands, and we find that in our original scripture where it says be baptized, all right, in Matthew 28, 19. But we also need to know that before we are baptized, right, before we become baptized, it says in Mark 1, 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. We have to repent and believe. We have to understand while we are being baptized, right? There is no way you're going to get married to someone you don't know. You're not going to stand on the altar and say, I dedicate my life to this person I have no idea about. It's the same reason you will not get baptized for a God you have no idea about. You're not going to stand there and publicly declare to your family and friends. So we need to understand, we need to repent and believe before we are baptized. Number two, publicly professes our faith. Acts 2, 37 to 41, we see Peter, he's preaching at Pentecost, and the people come to him convicted of sin, and they ask him what they should do. And he says to them, when the, uh, the scripture sorry, says, when the people heard this, which is Peter, um, Peter preaching at Pentecost, a lot of Ps there, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number daily. So we learn from that scripture that receiving the word and being, the ba being baptized actually goes hand in hand. It's not one or the other, it's both. Receive the word, repent, baptism. And number three, our third point is to commit to Christ's people. So through baptism, we commit firstly to Christ. Um, 
and then it co- and then we commit to the community that we belong in. So as we were just reading in Acts, it's two forty one. It says those who received the word were baptized and added to the church. So essentially, we come out of the world that we belong into, and we come into God's family, God's church, God's community. That's baptism. The commitment that those that were baptized on Pentecost made with the church was no more than just ticking a box. It's not a to-do list. It's not something to do. But instead, this new commitment of Christ's people fundamentally altered the fabric of their lives. How did it alter the fabric of their lives? Well, if we were to continue reading Acts, it would show us how it changed their lives. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread, sharing and praying together, shared possessions, they sold off property to give to those who need, they prayed and ate together. Church, that is a description of God's family. That is a description of God's church. That is how we, our lives are changed. When we are baptized, when we come into the community, our lives are changed through family. That's God's picture. So discipleship is not just this program that we sit in and we listen and then we go off and do our own thing. It's constantly over and over again, being reminded, being talking to your friends, having meals together, having those conversations, having hard conversations. That's what discipleship is. And the cool thing is, and I hope this video works, it was just for laugh purposes, but it it will sting your brain. And the the picture was on the screen for a while, so I was like, what are you preaching about? I want you to remember to not be this person when you baptize your friend. You don't necessarily have to, say if your friend wants to be baptized, you don't have to be a professional baptizer, okay? You can baptize your friends. You can ask your pastors about baptisms. We do it regularly in church. But don't be this guy. I don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, here we go. It'll work. But your salvation is done. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... (laughs) (laughs) They have to understand what they're being baptized about. Repent, believe, baptism. Don't do it that way around. So I hope you remember that one. Okay. (laughs) Let's move on to teaching. And I want to move through this one quickly because I do have another video to show you. It's a little bit longer, but I believe it's really going to change something in us today. Teaching. So teaching, this is an ongoing thing. This doesn't mean we literally become a biblical teacher of the word. Some of you may, and that's fantastic. But if we look back at our original scripture, which was Matthew 28.20, it says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Does it say teaching them to uh, learn the law? Does it say teaching them thousands of biblical cross-references? Does it say that we need to teach them uh, the historical content of every single Bible verse or every single story? It says teaching them to obey. What does obeying look like? What does obeying look like, right? It's not just our words. It's how we live our life, right? It's action. So I hope you're kind of seeing a bit of a repetitive uh, thing going on here. It's back on us. 
right? Making disciples, being a disciple, it, it goes back on us. It's actually our responsibility. It's how we obey God. It's how we obey his commands and his teaching. And that's how we actually teach people. So we don't have to know everything again. We don't have to sit there and have every single answer. We just have to be obeying God's word. And that's how we teach people. Titus 2, 7 to 8 says, In everything, set them an example by doing, okay, another action word, what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. It's how we, we guide and teach people by the way we live. We have to be the same person that we are in church and the same person that we are out there. It doesn't mean we don't get attacked. It doesn't mean we don't go through trials and tribulations. But the word should be affecting our lives that we obey his word. And I hope that we are kind of seeing a bit of a repetitive um, pattern here is that we get saved, we repent, we believe, we get baptized, we learn, we pray, we understand, and then it starts again with the next one. They repent, they believe, they get baptized, they start to learn and they start to grow, and then it starts again. And that is how we make disciples. It's constantly a repetitive process. So if we have any questions now about how, when, why, or how, I think I said how twice, doesn't matter. Maybe it is how twice. <laughs> I'm going to show you a scene from one of my favorite series. It's called The Chosen. Has anyone watching The Chosen or seen The Chosen? Awesome. It is. I think it's actually one of the best. It's not corny and cheesy. Sometimes Christian movies videos can be. But this one is not. It's done in a way that really actually helps you understand how the disciples and how Jesus could have been in those times based on biblical knowledge and they have a range of different biblical teachers not just one uh, denomination um, coming together and talking about that what they agree on to create this it's actually really beautifully done and so this scene that I'm going to show you is where Jesus is sitting down with his disciples and having that conversation with them to make them his apostles and what I love about this is it shows us the realness of what he's talking about. Because when we read it in Scripture that he sent them to do this, this, and this, and this, we kind of just read like, oh, the disciples were like, sure, let me just go and do that. But actually, they probably had their doubts. They probably had their questions. They probably had their reservations about what Jesus was actually telling them to do as the weight of what he was saying to them really uh, began to go on their shoulders. So we're going to look at this, this scene, and then we are going to pray together. And... I was going to read this at the end, but I think I'll do it now. Sorry, Ethan, if I've swapped it around. It's just the last slide with the scripture, but I can read it. That's okay. If you don't think that this scene is for you, right? If you think, well, maybe it was just for the apostles, but we don't really have to do that, do we? I'm going to show you with scripture because <laughs> that's what I do. In Mark 16:15 to 18, he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So if you're sitting in here right now and you believe, these signs will accompany you. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will, uh, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So what God has for the apostles in this scene that I'm going to show you, he has for us. 
if we would commit ourselves, if we would commit ourselves to what God is saying, what he is teaching us, and we would obey what he commands, right? If we just confess with our mouth, but there's nothing else happening in our lives, then this will not be for us because we're not going to understand it, right? We need to be understanding who God is. So let's have a look at this video and then we're going to pray together. Thank you, Ethan. It is not sustainable for me to do all the preaching, all the healing and ministry. I've called you to Simon's home today and thank you, Eden, for hosting. Because our ministry will only grow and we want it to grow till the end of the age. There will be many more followers and like those not here, all will have roles and responsibilities. Most will be disciples, students. And I have chosen you 12 as my apostles. You're sending us? An apostle is the same as a messenger, one who... I know what it means, Matthew. That's why I'm asking. You are my leaders. And for this mission I have for you, it's best that you spread out and not be concentrated in one place. I... I don't understand. I'm going to go home to Nazareth for a time, and while I'm there, I'm sending you out in every direction, two by two, specifically to our people only. Every direction, Rabbi? Yes, but not to the Gentiles. Not yet. That will come in time but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just as Joshua led the 12 tribes to take the promised land. You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you are on this mission, you will heal the sick and the lame by anointing them with oil. You will cast out demons. You will Why are you all looking at me like that? Uh, could, could you just repeat that one more time? I'm sending you out two by two, proclaiming as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons. How soon are we talking about here? There's that word again. I'll get to that, Simon. Hold on. Heal the sick, cast out demons. While you are on this mission, I grant you this authority. Someday, you will have it all the time. Was that a ceremony I missed? This is it. feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. With all due respect, Rabbi, we've only just begun as students. We're not nearly qualified enough. Why would you need us for this work? He doesn't need us. He wants us. Thank you, see. Very good. John, if I needed religious leaders or qualified students for my ministry, I wouldn't have chosen... <laughs> well, You'll get the point. 
Can we get back to the part about healing the sick for one second? You will take nothing for your journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money. Not even Salome's food. Wear sandals and do not bring an extra tunic. We can't even bring a change of clothes? Even the wandering cynic philosophers carry a second tunic. Yes, they do. And I'd like to distinguish you from the cynics. They also carry beggar's bags for people to put gold and silver coins into. And you will not do that. You received without paying. Now give without pay. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And if anyone should not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or town. Do not waste your time. You said if anyone will not listen to our words. What words exactly? What are we supposed to teach? Anything you've ever heard from me. I've only ever heard the one sermon. You heard the best one, anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're <laughs> oh, so good. That message was not just for the thousands that were there. It was for all who will hear it from now until the end of the age. How will they know it, you ask? Good question. Thanks for asking. You will tell them. And the places you will go are places I will soon go. So you are preparing the way for my arrival and helping ensure that more people are ready to hear the good news. The miracles you'll perform on God's authority will prove my ministry. Suppose we hit a bad streak and several towns in a row reject us, maybe for days. How are we to eat? What if it gets bad? Like, like it has with John. Listen carefully, all of you. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. So, you're saying we could die? There will come a time when this will become far more difficult. When persecution is an ever-present part of your ministry. When that time comes, you will follow in my footsteps and you will know what it actually means. Give up your life. I have more to teach you about that. This journey will not come to that. So if you had any questions, just know that you're in good company because the disciples had a lot as well. Can you just imagine that conversation where he's telling them that he's, they are his apostles and he is sending them out. And he's telling us the same thing. He's sending us out. He's telling us to go. What we are called to do is share the good news. 
What we are called to do is share the gospel that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we start to make disciples through relationship. I once heard a quote and it said that uh, sharing the gospel is like one homeless person sharing the bread with the other homeless people. We have the answer. We have the answer to the way our life should be. We have the answer to being our salvation. We have the answer to how we live our lives. And so we need to be able to share it. And so just begin to ask God for courage. And I'm still talking to myself here as well. Let's begin to ask God for courage, for boldness, for that one person that you've thought of. Because can you imagine if we all bring that person to church? Can you imagine if all those people that we've just thought of now, God's given you an opportunity and you share it and they come into community the way God has designed? Can you imagine just for a second the growth that the church, again, not just this church, but the church of God would grow on this earth if we actually went out and shared. So I want that to really stick into your minds today is that you will just choose one person and you're going to pray for that person, pray for an opportunity for that person. And just like the disciples asked, shouldn't we be more qualified to be able to do this? No, because if Jesus wanted religious leaders, like he said, he probably would not pick all of those guys. So just as the worship, uh, worship team starts to play the music, we're going to pray together. And for you, if you are here this morning or even online and you've not given your life to God this morning, you've not committed your life to Jesus and you've heard what I've said this morning and you want to be a disciple, you want to actually be discipled, you want to know what it is about this Jesus that makes believers want to be discipled and go out into the world. Then we're going to pray a prayer together as a community, as a church and I am going to ask you to raise your hand after the prayer, but that is so we can give you resources. Because as I said before, salvation is not the end of the journey, but it's the beginning. And we can't let you just pray that prayer and think you're all good. We have to make sure that now you are going to be discipled. All right. So let's pray together. So church, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. I repent and believe you are my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk in your footsteps by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and answering my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this, the first time this morning, would you just kindly raise your hand just so I can see and acknowledge that and we can make, help you work on that road to being a disciple. If you prayed that prayer the first time online, let us know and we'll help you. I want to be able to also open up the altar this morning. If you have been a Christian, maybe for a long time, because we know that the length of our belief is not does not determine our maturity, right? So maybe you've been a believer for a long time and you may not feel like you are operating as a disciple. Maybe you want to operate as a disciple more or you just want to know Jesus on a deeper level and commit to what he's obeying us. There is no shame or condemnation in any way in this because this is just what Jesus is calling every single one of us to, not just one, but all of us, right? At whatever capacity and level that we are at. 
But if you would like to come to the altar this morning, then know that it is open and you are welcome and we can pray for you because that is what this community is about. Church community is about sharing together, praying together, fellowshipping together. So I'm just going to close in prayer and then if you would like to come to the altar, you can. Father, we just thank you for the time that we have had this morning. I pray that each one of us has highlighted one person in our lives that we are going to commit our journey to praying for, asking for an opportunity to share the gospel with them, and that we would in turn ask for boldness and courage to share it when that opportunity arises. Father, I thank you that you have called us to be your disciples. You have called us to be the hands and feet on this earth through the way we live, through what you have commanded us. And Father, I pray that we would be a great representation of who you are, not just in this time that we spend together on Sunday mornings, but out in the world. So we wouldn't even have to open our mouths, but just the way we live, they would come and ask us, why are you so different? There is something different about you. And that would be the opportunity to share. Father, I pray for the people that we have highlighted today. I pray that you would begin to work on their hearts. That when the gospel is shared, that when the word is shared, that they would receive it. That they would hear what it is you want to say, God. Would you help us and guide us to make disciples? That Christianity, our, our salvation and what we've gone through would not just stop with us, but God, it would flow. It would flow and we'd make disciples and have more influence. So we just thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team.